the game's changed like completely in the last three or four years. You know, guys like Remco, Pogaccia, you know, everyone's kind of like looking for the next superstar that's going to win the tour at 19 and sport moves on and it progresses and it's just making sure that you, well, ideally stay ahead of that curve, which Sky was for so long. Obviously now Jumbo have taken over and that's the challenge in it and that's what we got to try to um, get up to and, and overtake ideally. Hi everybody and welcome to the Move podcast. This is our second episode in our special series, The Move Legends. I'm Johan Bernal and on the other side of the ocean, uh, good morning to my co-host George Hincapie. George, how's it going? Good afternoon, actually. It's 12, almost 12.30 here, but it's going well. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Very excited to have, uh, have Gary and Thomas on the show with us today. Uh, a big legend, uh, one of the biggest of the sport and one of the most well-liked riders in the Peloton. And I think it's, it's an honor for us to have him on. Yeah. So, you know, you just said it, Gary and Thomas, uh, I think I think he's a real legend. Uh, multiple world champion on the track. Uh, winner of of the, all the main big stage races uh, in in cycling, such as Paris Nice, Tour of Romandie, Tour de Suisse, Dauphiné, and above all, winner of the Tour de France. Uh, welcome, Garen Thomas, and thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, you're currently in Mallorca at the the first get together of Team Ineos, I guess. How's it going over there? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's um, oh, mate, it's busy. These December camps are just like. You do a lot of training, but then afterwards it's just meeting after meeting. And obviously there's been a bit of change with management. So, you know, all the guys that you see in your management, I know them all, but they're all sort of trying to create something that's slightly different to what has been going on. So there's a lot of meetings, but, um, you know, a lot of young guys as well. I'm, I'm feeling old, mate. Like, you know, we've got <laughs> a young AJ who's, you know, from, from America. He's 18. You know, young Magnus Sheffield, I'm with him. So, but yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's a good way to sort of um, get everyone together. Yeah, you'll have to say hello to Magnus. He's a, he's a great kid and we're excited to see his progression. What a, what a talent on the bike. I hope you're enjoying this uh, episode of The Move Legends. I'm just going to duck in here for a second and tell you about a couple of our partners, which I think will interest you quite a bit. In particular, uh, this first one, Bicycle. All right. It's funny. I talked to it about friends. It's like, when did the cost of a bike become comparable to buying a brand new motorcycle? seems like it happened overnight and it's a real thing. And so maybe you're a roadie and you want to explore mountain biking or vice versa, or you want to start doing some gravel riding, but you don't want to break the bank because you've already bought a road bike. Well, you can pick up an extra bike, add it to your quiver on bicycle. It's over 15,000 pre-owned and refurbished road, gravel, mountain, and tri-bikes. And uh, the the whole platform is super easy to use. They've set it up so well. You can go in and say, I want this size, this style of riding, and this price point, disc brakes or rim brakes. It, you can set it all up and do the query exactly the way you want it. And then you can just buy it. And they've gone through these bikes. They vetted them. And uh, you can save yourself hundreds, if not thousands, getting that bike you always wanted. So check it out. For a limited time, you can save up to $100 off your purchase by entering the code THEMOVE, all one word, all caps, THEMOVE, at checkout. Go to BuyCycle, and trust me, you're going to get addicted to this site and love checking out their inventory. 
Bicycle.com, B-U-Y-C-Y-C-L-E.com and use the code THEMOVE at checkout. I'm also really, honestly, personally excited to tell you about a new partner of ours, and that is Kudo Popcorn. Oh my gosh, Kudo Snacks. It's funny, our sales guy, Lars, uh, sometimes just has our sponsors send stuff to us. And I had not gotten the memo that this is a new partner and this box of Kudo snacks showed up there, Kudo popcorn. And I was like, Oh wow. What is this? And, uh, my wife was asking me, who is this? I go, I don't know. I got to assume it's a new partner. And we both quickly, quickly fell in love with it. Uh, cause you know, it's funny. We're, we're pretty diligent about eating well, at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but it's those snacks that can derail you. And having a Kudo popcorn at your disposable is one of the best things that ever happened to me. The flavors are great. Garlic, Parmesan, white cheddar, and my favorite, the salty, sweet kettle corn. You are going to want a bunch of this in your pantry. You're going to throw it in your car. You're going to keep it at your office. You're going to keep it in your backpack. And it's going to fill those little voids with a really tasty treat that you're going to love. For a limited time... Uh, you can get an exclusive 25% discount when you use the code THEMOVE at kudosnacks.com, K-U-D-O, kudosnacks.com. That's 25% off with the code THEMOVE at kudosnacks.com. Save some money, support the official protein popcorn of the UFC, and get popped. Johan mentioned some of your results uh, in the in the intro. What he what he what he didn't mention, and which I'm personally uh, fond of, is your your classics expertise. And I, I got a I got a story. I've done a lot of fun. I've pretty much done everything you can do on the bike. A lot of cool shit. And this probably you don't even remember, but for some reason, this one really stands out to me. 2011 Tour of Flanders. You and I get dropped on the mirror of the Grandmont, and we're behind the likes of Philippe Gilbert, Cancellara. Um, Nick Nguyen's, uh, uh, Alessandro Balan, and you and I get to the top together. And it was one of those moments. We just looked at each other and said, we got nothing to lose here. We need to work together and get back. And we we caught back up right at the start of the Bosberg, back in the front group, back in it for the win. And we kind of just looked at each other. We put it all in, just you and I. We weren't teammates. You were a young kid that obviously had heard a lot about you. Um, but I felt like, for me, it was just super cool to do that with you. You're a national champion. We caught right back and we're back in it for the win. And obviously we didn't win. I got six. I think you got 10th, but it was, it was a special moment for me in my career. And I remember it quite fondly. Yeah, no, it's just, it's mad to say that I told Magnus the exact same story last night. Cause I told him <laughs> I was coming on the pods with you and, uh, yeah, it was, um, that's my, my memory of racing with you on a bike is that race. And those, oh, those final like 20 Ks, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I grew up loving Belgium, you know, that's, you know, going over from the UK on the boat, on the ferry, you know, racing Belgium on the weekend. And yeah. um, those races always were really fond, like, you know, I held them close to my heart. So, um, yeah, to be in that position, as you say, with, well, for me, for a start, just being with you, chasing back onto the Bosberg was just nuts. I remember you went around a few corners. I was like, well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to just like put let it all the in there. go and just yeah, blind, blind yeah. faith I was following you. But um yeah, and then I looked around, you know, as you say, Cancellara and Boone and all these guys, like Fletcher was in the same team as me. I was trying to do a bit for him, but yeah, just to be in that situation, you know, the first time I'd really been well, it was the first time in a in a classic like Flanders in the front was uh 
it's something I, I'll definitely always remember. Yeah. So was that your, um, that was sort of your breakout year. I mean, cause you did really well, um, uh, with a couple of the other pre Flanders races and you started making a name for yourself in those types of races. Yeah. So I won, uh, didn't win. I was second in, um, Dwar's doors behind Nick Noyens. Yep. And then he yep. obviously won that day. Um, and yeah, it was my first real, I guess, you know, season in the mix, so to speak. Um, and yeah, it was just from there, I was still sort of classed as a track rider really, but as I say, I loved the one days and, and that was my initial, um, target really those sort of races. And, you know, we're still racing track. So, you know, at the Olympics the next year in London. So, um, that was the main reason I wanted to ride the Olympics was because there was a home Olympics and that, my best way of winning a medal was, was on the track in the team pursuit. So, you know, if it'd been somewhere else, I may not, if I may have just left the track behind and just focused on the roads. But, um, but yeah, that was my first real taste of, um, you know, being there in the mix in Belgium and absolutely loved it. And, you know, the next few years I was still trying to, you know, get a result in Flanders or Roubaix never quite came off. One E3 on the way, but sort of, um, yeah, just, just never quite came through in, in those races in the end, but, you know, getting to the twilight of my career now, and it's certainly something I'd love to just go back to at least, uh, one more time. Mm. That's a big, that's a big change. Uh, you know, it's completely different cycling, of course. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if we, uh, if 2007 was your first real season as a pro, right? On on Barber yes. World, uh, I remember yeah, you were. That's correct. Were, yeah. I think I remember you were the youngest participant in the Tour de France that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which isn't that young anymore. I was twenty one, though. That's, I think. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I checked. I checked, and I thought you were nineteen, but I, then I saw you were twenty one. So nowadays that's just normal. But um, but you know, we all, of course, we all know you as uh, you know the rider on Sky Ineos. You're, I think, you're the only rider left. That's that's there from the very beginning, right? From the first year. Um, yeah, yeah, that's correct. And yeah, and uh, maybe one or two staff, but yeah, Carsten, yeah. Carsten's still here. Other than that, I think it's just me and him. So yeah. So so uh, what I would like to ask you, um, you know, we've seen Team Sky slash Ineos being, you know, coming up, and then after two three years, being the kind of the benchmark team in terms of scientific approach and marginal gains and whatever you want to know it let's say from the beginning until 2018-19 now i think is jumbo right uh it was it's that at position but yet you were able to bounce back in 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 22 and 23 you know by being third in the tour being second in the giro do you still feel like uh, experience and, and and patience and this this multi year endurance that you've built up is that still possible to weigh up against all this young talent on those super high tech teams uh, like we see them today in terms of uh, what what's your feeling about that? Yeah, I feel like um, the main thing for me is the mentality and like how I feel in my head, and I feel like I, I still really enjoy racing, but I still also can really enjoy everything else that goes into it and all the commitment and the sacrifice and everything you got to make to get to the top. And, um, I feel like that's the main reason of being able to continue that, but also, you know, be able to change as well and adapt and, and take on these new ways of training or nutrition or whatever it is. I think, um, that's also key. 
Um, and yeah, for sure, the experience and those all those years of you know racing a bike definitely help. Um, but it's, it just never gets easier. You know, every year you have to try and get better. Um, mm-hmm. I did actually get my five on best five minute power ever this year, but um, you know, it's just it's just hard work. And but it's something, as I say, it's the enjoyment and the sacrifice is still there. So I think that's that's the main thing. But yeah, the, these young guys now though, it's just. Uh, the game's changed like completely in the last three or four years, you know, guys like Remco, Pogaccia. Um, and I think they've changed the the mindset of, of sports directors as well. And teams, you know, everyone's kind of like looking for the next, you know, superstar that's going to win the tour at 19. And, um, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of off kilter to me. It feels like, I feel like, you know, some teams are DSM, even us, for example, we, we got a ton of young guys now. And it's almost like the the squad is sort of unbalanced in a way, um, but that's just kind of the, that's the trend at the minute, you know. Um, that's the way it is. Uh, I just try to just kind of help the younger guys, but at the same time, the main thing is me as a sports person, as an athlete, and do everything I can, lead by example. But I'm not I'm not one to sort of go in a room and shout and scream and tell them what to do. Um, you know, it's. It's still a hundred percent about myself performing as best I can really. Well, I mean, I mean more credit to you to I mean at, at 36, 37, you know, to be to be able to be third in the tour, uh, behind arguably the two best stage races in the world, Fingergard and 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 Pogacar and and this year almost winning the Giro. I mean, I think it speaks volumes of uh, you know, your your mindset and and your your attitude. Uh, but it's it's you know it's uh, it's curious that you say you know this this year uh, you performed your best five minutes. I've read, for example, also that in several media outlets that when you were third in the tour in 2022, that your output numbers were better than when you won very dominantly in 2018. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Across the board, they were stronger. The one that stands out is my 20 minute. Power, I did my best ever in that tour up um uh Blanche Belfi. Um uh, yeah, I think for sure, you know, without sounding like a dick, in 2018 I never felt I was really on the limit. I felt I still mm-hmm. had a bit in reserve and I never had to go super deep. Um but I also feel like, yeah, I have improved since then. The whole Peloton has, you know, I think, you know, that's only natural and that's why it's hard to compare like generations because stuff we're doing now, we definitely weren't doing in 18 and stuff, you know, training and all this type of stuff. Like we had more knowledge in 18 than we did in, you know, when Brad won, for instance, in 12. So I think it's just, um, sport moves on and it progresses and it's just making sure that you, well, ideally stay ahead of that curve, which sky was for so long. Obviously now Jumbo have taken over and, you know, we're sort of more the hunter rather than being hunted, um, which is obviously a slightly different mindset, but I think um, it's a massive challenge and one which I'm still want to be a part of and super relishing. Two more years, I'm pretty sure I'm going to stop then. I can't see myself being 40 in this peloton. I think that'll just be, that's too much. But um, but no, it's that's the challenge, isn't it? And that's where we got to try to, um, you know, get up to and, and overtake ideally. Jay, talk about um, 
So you you were like Johan mentioned on uh you you guys were like the OGs in terms of the marginal gains and that was early on in 2011 2012. Uh, what what has changed since then from from 2011 2012 till till now? I mean I I see guys that I'll I'll ride with on occasion. I mean how strict they are in terms of their diet and everything every single facet of their life is now measured. How do you have fun now in the sport of cycling when? I mean, obviously you must be doing similar things because you're still one of the best. Um, mentally, how do you, how do you get over that? I know that when, once you're in that level and you're getting paid well, physically, that's almost the easiest part. You push yourself, you know, that's your job, your job you got to do, but mentally, how do you keep punishing yourself and how do you keep up in the games in terms of measuring everything you can do in your life? Yeah, for me, it's, I need the downtimes. Um, you know, I'm not super strict on myself all year round, 12 months of the year. I certainly have a good off season, enjoy myself complete. You know, to be honest, probably not the best. I'm probably like five kilos overweight and most of the kids here are all the race weight and just giving me an absolute kick in this week. But, you know, for me, it's the mental side, you know, I really need to just completely switch off, enjoy life. You know, I've got a four-year-old kid, just enjoy being home and, and, and all that type of stuff. And then obviously the intensity ramps up. Um, you know, Christmas, you've got to sort of, yeah, it's a few days where you can just, you know, be normal and enjoy it. But from there on, it's it's full on. And yeah, you do go into that whole sort of data and everything's measured, you know. For me, the biggest thing is nutrition. You know, I've mentioned it already, but, you know, weighing out food, weighing out your pasta, weighing out your, your protein. And it's um it's intense and I can do it and commit to it for a set period, but I can't live like that while you're around. And that is... The, that's a big thing as well. When you see young guys in the team, like, you know, I keep telling them, you, you don't have to get drunk to have a good time, but find something outside of the sport that you enjoy doing and, and make mm -hmm. sure you do it because you just see they're so intense, like from yeah, off season, if they have two weeks off, they like start shitting themselves thinking they need to ride the bike again. You know, I had about five and a half weeks off this year. You know, I think yeah. it's more the mental as much as the physical. And, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just getting them to realize that, like, if you want a long career, you know, you, you need to, there's peaks and troughs, you know, and it's doing everything at the right time. So, but yeah, sorry to answer your question. For me, it's um, certainly having downtime and then being on it when you, when you got to be. Yeah. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit? I mean, you, you, you were very open uh, about your off season activities uh saying yeah, somewhere that, that got blown up a bit yeah <laughs> 12 days out of 14 you were i'm not going to say drunk but inebriated how I, i would i would a bit tipsy can you <laughs> what, what what was going on what was going on in was so, it with your family with <laughs> well basically um you know from the Vuelta, i wrote the Vuelta, and it was a terrible Vuelta. and like mentally i just needed to get away and have a break and i kind of i didn't go crazy i stayed in monaco um, where we live with my wife and my son and just sort of he was in school like preschool three hours a day so it was okay you know I'd ride my bike a little bit have a couple of drinks but nothing crazy but then I went to Ibiza on this like cycling holiday thing and um, for some reason I didn't think you'd be drinking so much but I should have really thought about it you know Ibiza it's a party <laughs> island so it was three big nights and then from there I went to Cardiff and basically um, that's where I'm from, born and bred. And, um, yeah, I had a ton of people I wanted to catch up with basically. And I hadn't been home for so long. Um, like these days, well, this year I did the Giro and the Volta. So, you know, it was a hell of a lot of altitude before that. And there was just basically no downtime. So it felt like I was on it a lot. So went back to Cardiff, 
and in the UK, you know, if you if you meet up with someone, you either go out for food or go to the pub, you know. And um, basically, every night I was meeting some mates and you know family as well, and it ends up being a very heavy couple of weeks. But um, it's it's what I needed, you know, what what I enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I mentioned it in I don't know where it was, just some random interview. Just mentioned, oh yeah, I've probably been drunk for about twelve of the last. 14 days and suddenly it just blew up everywhere and it's on well yeah so many people have mentioned it to me but um but yeah that that's that's my sort of time to switch off and um yeah good on you i think you you deserve it after such a you know long season and and you know basically you know i think you're respected enough also within the team that you know what you have to do you know you're a pro so i think uh i think it's only fair Thanks. So, yeah, Gee, when you were coming into the call from the management or anything, so it's right. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that. I know Johan would have called me if I if I uh, said that out <laughs> in the press, no doubt. But when I've you're changed, up- George, I've changed. I've become mellow now. I'm I've changed. <laughs> Again, I hope you're enjoying this uh, episode of the Move Legends. Um, and I'm just going to duck in for a second because you know I, I want to tell you about a couple of our partners. We all use this stuff. We only advertise and tell you about things that we use and believe in. And we've been telling you for some time about Ketone IQ by HVMN. Uh, There's a reason that 70% of the Peloton is using it. It does enhance performance. It does make you feel better. But my favorite thing about it is the uh, mental sharpness, mental clarity. I've said this before. And I'm not kidding you. I was on Adderall for, I don't know, the last several decades. <laughs> Lost track. Have not been on for it, on it for up to a year now. And I attribute my um, success and well-being without it to starting to take ketone IQ shots every single day. It has really helped with the mental clarity, the focus. Everything about it is great. You can pick it up at Sprouts, wherever you live, if you want to go in and get it. But uh, I highly recommend doing a subscription order and give it a three to six month trial. Like that's why the subscription is great. And you can get a discount on it, which I'll tell you about in a second. But give it that time, you know, time for your 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 body to adjust and and see what's going on. You'll feel a difference. Uh, I I have. And I think you will too. So you can save 30% on your first subscription order at Ketone IQ. And that is at HVMN.com slash the move. Again, visit HVMN.com slash the move and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. Last but not least, I got to tell you about our partners at Helix Sleep. And uh, I, I'd love it when an industry gets disrupted, right? Who would have thought like, you could just get a mattress sent to you in the mail. It's kind of freakish actually, because you, as you drive around and trust me, like when you're driving around uh, tomorrow, look around, you're going to see a mattress store, mattress store, mattress store. Well, that's a lot of overhead for one. And the product might, may not be the best you can get. Uh, again, disruptor helix sleep has, has figured out how to send it to your door. I don't know how they compress it, the way they do into that box and you open it up and then it slowly expands. And uh, it's been great. We've been sleeping on a Helix mattress for a couple of years now. And prior to that, we went to the local store. We bought what we thought was the newest, latest, greatest. We replaced it with this and it's been uh, undeniably a good choice in our life. 
So if you're not sleeping well, you want to sleep better, maybe your mattress is too old, you need to check it out. There is a reason that Helix Sleep has over 12,000 uh, five-star reviews online. All right, check it out. Uh, they also support military, first responders, teachers, and students by giving them a special discount. Helix Sleep is offering 20% off on all mattress orders and two free pillows. The pillows are great too. For all of our listeners, go to helixsleep.com slash the move. Uh, all one word, the move. Helixsleep.com slash the move. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix Sleep, better sleep starts now. Let's talk about, let's talk about your kind of sort of re-entry because a, a lot of people... You know, once they put weight on, I know for me, it was always just a month of just struggle, just especially as I got later on in my career where you're like, am I going to be able to get this back? Um, but obviously you, you have a ton of confidence. You, you, you know what you need to do. What's been your reentry this year? Has it gone as expected as, as the other years or a, bit, a little bit tougher or about the same? Uh, it feels similar. I feel like the last few years here as the whole, as we mentioned earlier, the whole Peloton has got physically better and more professional. Um, so December's always been a struggle. Like people are always going quite well and just kick my head in a bit. But um, yeah, it's the same sort of process for me. Come January, it's it's full on. I'm pretty hard on myself. I kind of like punish myself a bit. Um, you restrict yourself a bit. Um, but yeah, I have to just sort of remind myself to stay with the new age and new thinking of, you know, fueling well on the bike and not completely just bonking every ride. Um, it's probably, well, no, it's definitely not the ideal way of doing it, but it's kind of how I've got used to working basically. And January is always a tough month. Um, but then you're kind of down to a decent weight at the end of that. Um, you know, I'm not quite Januric style. I don't think I blow up quite as big <laughs> as what he used to, but, um, you know, it, it, it makes January tough, but then we go to altitude end of January as well now, which is another sort of big change, you know, a lot more altitude, as I said, and that helps to shift the weight as well. Um, and yeah, by Feb, you're sort of at least ready to race. You know, you, you're down in the yeah. low 70s, 70, 71. And um, I race at around 68, 69. And it's just a gradual, um, yeah, you, you just gradually lose that weight over that period of time. And it's not like one big sort of, you know, it's not like a boxer where you have like two or three weeks and you shed a, a load of weight. So um, it's done it progressively, but yeah. Has it gotten, has it gotten I me mean, back in old, when you first started old school, it was just like, we'd basically just starve ourselves. Uh, has the, has the, has the, uh, programming gotten better where you know exactly what you need to eat, the right sort of foods where it's a, you're not essentially starving yourself. You're just eating more of the right foods and, and calculating your, your, your deficits more scientifically. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the right food at the right time. You know, timing is a big thing these days as well. Mm -hmm. Like when you, have your protein or your carb or or this and that. And um, we've just done some new sort of metabolic tests as well over like a week, which should help, you know, give even more info and numbers on how, well, my body specifically is um, working at the minute. So um, it's a hell of a lot of science. Um, and it's just being strict with yourself then. Um, I've always like, as I say, really enjoyed the off season, but then when it comes to it, you have to, knuckle down hundred percent and get it done then. So, um, yeah, I find I'm able to do that. Great. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you're able to talk about it, but I wanted to ask you, uh, about the management within team Ineos and the shakeup 
as it happened in the last few months. I mean, it's, it's, I think it, a lot of has, has happened behind the scenes and all of a sudden we were surprised to see the principal, uh, Ellingworth going. Um, and with that, um, I was a bit surprised also to see that your team is actually one of the teams that made the least new signings. Um, I think a part of Tobias Foss and, and the young American AJ August, who we talked about, who apparently, um, I think Axel Merckx qualified him as Remco with, with more power. Um, so that, that's very promising, Okay, but what can you, mm -hmm. can you give us an insight on, uh, as, I mean, as good as you can, or if you're allowed, what happened inside the team, the change of management and, and why so few signings? For a start, you know, I, I respected Rod a lot. I knew him since, you know, I don't know, 2004, maybe when I was a junior. Went on to the academy with him then, and um, he was running the under 23 program when we were under 23s, obviously, British cycling. So, known him a hell of a long time. And um, it was sad to see him go. It was pretty surprising. I think, um, to be honest, I don't know 100% full story, but I know sort of his did, family. Did, did you see it coming? Did, did you see it coming at all? Uh, not really. Not really. Um, I knew like he was. He was struggling a little with um, the way the team was working at the at the time, but then also I, with his family and stuff. You know, I think he's got three kids, um, and that was a, a huge factor. Um, I haven't really spoke to him much; only a brief phone call. Um, so, family and home life was definitely a big, big part of it as well. So, um, yeah, it for us the riders, it was. For the majority, for sure, it was it was a shock. Um, but yeah, that, that's it's just happened. You know, that, that's the way it is. Um, Dave B's obviously got a different role now as well, so it would be great to have him around more. But it's it's just not possible. Things change. He's part of like Ineos Sport, which looks after a hell of a lot of other sports. You know, sailing. He's part of the whole Man United takeover thing now. So, um, so yeah, it's it's changing quickly and, and as I mentioned briefly you know we've, we've got this new sort of senior management team although most of them have been around in the team for a period or of time at least sort of like two years or so some have left and come back so um, it's, it's a lot of change and there's meetings to sort of they want to take the team in a slightly different direction I guess put a bit of their stamp on it try and start afresh I think also from from the team's point of view I think they sort of burdens is probably too strong a word, but the success of Sky, you know, is a is a big sort of like oh, a cloud or I don't know what, but it's something just hanging over the team, you know, like Sky was so good and dominant and you know, we won mm. how many do like it was Brad Brumy won four, five, six, six so we won seven tours in like eight years, you know, it was unbelievable the success we had. So the fact if we don't win it or win a grand tour, that's seen as like a terrible season, um, which is good in a way. It's good to have high standards and it's good to keep them. But I think it's, it's also tough at the same time, you know, and as we've mentioned, we've got a young team. It takes them. Yeah. Hopefully AJ is the new Remco with more power because that would, that would be great for us, you know, give us something to, to go at, <laughs> but you know, it just takes these young guys a bit, a bit of time to sort of develop as well. Um, yeah. Luckily, it's not like football or soccer. 
um, you know, in, in football in the UK, it's very cutthroat. And like, you know, if something happens, the manager's gone booming. So at least it's not like that. But um, it's certainly different times now. It's certainly, um, although it's not, it's not trying to reinvent the wheel either. It's just subtle changes. But it's uh, it's definitely a different um, atmosphere team to say five years ago, for sure. Yeah. And and in terms of the signings, you know, we've, we've seen Sivakov leaving, Dulet leaving, um, Teo leaving, some important, right? I mean, Dan, uh, Dani Martinez leaving. And, and in exchange, there's very few additions. Is there a specific reason for that? Or what's what's the situation there? Because, we, you know, we, we read it, we're reading all these reports, but we may as well hear it from the horse's mouth. What, what What's the reason? <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know, to be honest. Um, I guess, you know, budgets come into it. Um, you know, all those guys, I guess when you have a lot of good guys that perform better and, and want more money and if the money's not there, it's hard to make it happen. It, I was I was disappointed to see, well, all those good boys go, but especially Teo and, and Pavel because I spent a lot of time with them over the years, especially this year. So that was super sad to see. Um you know, but yeah, I can't actually speak for the recruitment part of the team, but you know, yeah, as I keep saying, that's kind of the situation we're in. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know what else to sort of um, expand on that really. Cause I don't really know, but yeah, all I can say is that the, the new guys coming in, obviously Tobias, you know, won um, the world. So, you know, he's a great, great guy and the two young guys coming in as well hopefully they can um can step up as well yeah and then of course you still have young talent on board uh you know carlos rodriguez egan bernal tom pitcock i mean you have plenty of of guys still that that have it in them yeah, yeah speaking of, of Bo uh, and magnus yeah yeah speaking of Sorry, bernal i mean you were you were teammates with obviously chris who had a horrible crash and then uh, Bernal, unfortunately, same sort of um, injuries or um, I don't know about injuries, but the setback, uh, let's say, let's just say setback. Um, how is he doing? And uh, do you see him, you know, getting back to his, to the top of his game uh, next year? He's doing really well. Like, um, you know, physically from what he's just overcome, to be honest, just to be racing again. Um, but it's tough, isn't it? It's like, he doesn't have to just get back to his best. He's got to get, better than what he's ever been so yeah. um, I'm confident he will it's just it just takes time doesn't it like initially the progression's quick um, but that last sort of 10-15% is super hard and um, yeah I've got confidence the team I have around him I think he does as well from speaking to him here he's in good spirits here so hopefully you know fingers crossed he's, he'll continue that curve and, and, and continue to improve because he's an unbelievable rider it's still good to have him around in the team as well. A lot of people still look up to him. So he still brings a lot, even though he's not necessarily at the top at the minute, but yeah, hoping he gets there. Yeah. We, he was, uh, he was our other, one of our other legends with, uh, Johan and Victor Hugo Pena a couple of weeks Spanish. ago. So we, Spanish. yeah, in Spanish, yeah. but great guy. We're all big fans of his and uh, we hope for his, his return for sure. What, uh, what about this year? What are your goals this year? Are you going to go to a similar approach to last year or you're not decided yet? To be honest, I'd, I'd quite like to mix it up a bit. Maybe go back to the Giro, um, but then try and go to the Tour as well. Um, not to ride GC in both. I think the Giro is something that it's just got that fire in my belly to just you know go back and at least try again, see what I can do. 
Um, no, I'd love the challenge of sort of just trying to back up with the tour, go there and help the guys. You know, Carlos, obviously, fifth last year, young rider. Tom Peacock, obviously, still sort of finding his way. So, you know, try and help them a bit, go for a stage myself. Um, but it's more, that's ideally what I would like to do, but it's, it's on the team, I guess, in it to to tell me really. Um, that's what a lot of the discussions here have been about already, whether I do that or if I just go to the tour with those boys and, you know, prepare all year, more of a traditional sort of year. Um, but what I've quite liked in recent years is just mixing up a bit. You know, once you get to my age, you're going into my 18th year as a pro, you know, it's nice to do something a bit different. Um, that keeps you sort of fresh as well, I think. Yeah, so you weren't uh, watching the tour, missing it this past season? It was kind of weird because me and Luke weren't at the tour and then we, we were doing our podcast as well and it felt like we were turning into um, like directors that, you know, immediately turned from being a rider to being like, ah, it's not cold, it's only five degrees, get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it felt like we turned into those, uh, yeah, um, sports fans are just sat on the sofa really, but... I'm, well, I missed it. I definitely missed it. Just watching it, you know, it's the biggest bike race in the world. Like, yeah. um, I'd love to go back. We'd love to see you back yeah, there. Nothing, sure. nothing compares. Nothing compares to this to the tour. We all know that. I have one last question for you, uh, Garrett. Um, it was actually one of the highlights that we we had, we just had a podcast about that 23 highlights and uh, your uh, the last stage of the Giro. I mean, we all know you almost won the Giro. Sadly. You know, Roglic had a an amazing day on the on on the Monte Lusaro, and uh, and uh, you lost it by how many? I don't know, fifteen seconds in total. Was it fifteen, 15 seconds? seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the last stage and your lead out for your friend Mark Cavendish. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? What was the thinking behind that? Uh, did was it was it planned? Did it happen during the during the race? Was it just an instinct? What was going was, on there? It definitely wasn't planned. Um, I was going to just stay out of trouble, basically. And about halfway through the race, Cab comes past me. He's like, oh, lad, if you're going to leave me out, go on the right. And I'm like, oh, okay, Cab, yeah, whatever. Not going to happen. <laughs> and then literally like, yeah, obviously 3K to go. Um, nothing's going to happen in the GC now with a crash or something. And I see Lewis Leon and, and Cav, um, no other teammates. And I was there and I was just thinking, ah, oh, sod it, just just help him out. He's a mate, you know. Well, so I've got nothing on tomorrow, you know. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I went to the front, gave him a bit of a nod. Lewis Leon comes on and, and, and yeah, the rest is history. But to be fair, I think Gaviria gave him an even better lead out, really, hitting out so long. and But, but um, yeah, it was, it was great to see him do it. You know, we, we go back out of a long way and, you know, to see him mm-hmm. get that stage, um, I thought it was his final year. He's obviously going to go on. So, um, but yeah, it was it was a great moment. Yeah, we yeah, both it was had be- the, beautiful. Beautiful. We both, uh, we both had the pleasure of racing with Cav, and he's as you know, G, one of the funniest guys in the peloton, one of the best personalities. And seeing him win that stage, I was, I was, it was really cool to see. But also having you leading him out was was awesome. And it's just a testament of you know how good of a person you are and how well liked you are amongst the peloton and. Um, yeah, it's just been, it's been a really fun time watching you both. But I think, I think in today's cycling, especially, especially in today's cycling, I think it's, it's exceptional, almost unthinkable to see something like this. So competitive 
from what I hear, you know, between teams and between riders, the respect is gone mostly. Uh, to see this camaraderie uh, come to a, you know a success in in that last stage, two riders on different teams uh, being able to do this, uh, and everybody being okay with it is also very unique because normally this would be very controversial, and nobody. Nobody made a problem out of it. I'm sure in your team, within your team, nobody made a problem out of it. In Astana, for sure not. But the general public just loved it. It was, it was, it was beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, I was surprised with the amount of messages that we we got from it. To be honest, like to me, it was just like, why wouldn't you help a mate out? Um, I guess when it's on one of the biggest stages of the world, it stands out a bit, doesn't it? But um, no, yeah, it was it was a great moment. And um, yeah, as you say, it could have could have gone either way, really, but. It would have just been a bit nicer to have done it in pink, wouldn't it, really? But there we go. <laughs> that would have been good next year. year. Yeah, or this year, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Great. So well, can we, we can is there is there a hope that next year you you go back to the Giro and, and try to win it? That's that's what I kind of understand in between the lines. If you have your if you have your own way. Yeah, that's what I would like to do, ideally. Yeah. But um yeah, yeah. It's, cool. it's not always up to me, but yeah. Whatever, whatever but, but, happens, it's going to be. I'll, I'll go. I'll go all in, commit to it, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll try and just get the best result and just enjoy riding my bike. You know, I'm not going to do it for too much longer. It's, uh, yeah. So you got two more years. Two more years, G. Two more years, yeah, yeah. But to be honest, I had my retirement. Well, we've we got a wedding venue myself and my wife, and I'd already booked it out. The last sort of like twice I've booked it for my retirement party, and I've had to cancel, had to delay. So. <laughs> maybe cool. maybe yeah. third time lucky but we'll see yeah <laughs> well it's been an amazing run so far and I'm, I'm sure you still got a lot left in that tank and it's been fun you also got an amazing podcast which um, I, I listen to quite frequently I actually just listened to um, the one you did with Sepp the other day uh, found it really interesting obviously we're all huge fans of Sepp as well and him winning mm -hmm. the Welta and you being there and being quite vocal on a lot of the stuff that was going on with the team um, I found it really interesting to hear you guys both talking about it together later on in your podcast. So for our listeners, you need to check out G's podcast. It's super cool. Cheers, but what's, appreciate what's occurring? Right? What's occurring? Or Grand Thomas Cycling Club? Grand Thomas Cycling Club. Yeah. What's occurring? It's all under the same thing. But um, okay. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. Well, thank you for your time. George, do you have anything else? No, thank you, G. We uh, we really appreciate it. Happy holidays and good luck. Yeah. Um, all the best with the finish of camp and the start of the season. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, what an amazing interview there with uh, Garen Thomas. Uh, it was a pleasure to have him on the show, the Move Legends. Johan, uh, what did you think about the interview? I thought it was super fun chatting with him. I mean, what an amazing guy. You know, such a, I mean, such an amazing long career and still, you know, incredible to be still at such a high level uh, in the fall of his career, let's say, right? I mean, he is 37 years old, uh, but still, you know, out there. Um, yeah, amazing. I, I really liked it. Absolutely. He's going to be one of the most iconic figures in cycling uh, that, we've, that we've ever witnessed. And uh, speaking of iconic figures, I'm very excited about our iconic partners that are joining us for our uh, uh, Flanders, uh, Strada Bianca and Paris Roubaix camp. But we're going to have Gianni Bugno riding the, the white Tuscan roads with us in, uh, in Tuscany in early March. Um, so if you can, don't miss out on that camp. And then Fast forward a month later to Tour of Flanders, my favorite race on the planet. It's got the best vibe of any race in the, in the calendar. Um, 
we last year we got to start we were right there on the start line and we saw all these guys lined up ready for war so to speak and uh, we're gonna have Johan Museu join us for that and then the week later we're doing the Paris Bay camp uh, with also Johan Museu and riding the the sportifs before every each and every one of them on uh, for Strada Bianca Flanders and Roubaix uh, which has thousands of riders. Uh, it's just a great experience and one you don't want to miss. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Check it out uh, on our travel section on wedo.team. You go to the travel section and you can find all the information there about those three events in the spring and also about our usual annual camp in Mallorca. Uh, places are filling up already now, so uh, don't miss the opportunity and check it out. wedo.team. Team.